everyone. This is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. We are a podcast that talks about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. So we're here on our very first episode, and we're going to talk today about Pigman. But before we get into that, a little bit about us. Sam and I have been besties our whole life, it feels like. But really, it started in middle school. We were in gym class. The teacher was like, hey, partner up. And I was looking around like, oh, fuck. And then I saw her (laughs) just sitting there reading a book in the middle of PE. And I was like, yeah, that's the one. And so we were partners that day and ever since. And she has moved away from me a few times. But we keep military kid. <laughs> Can't help but myself. We, we are still going strong and living in different states. She's in Colorado. I'm Oregon. So we're doing this over Zoom. So beware of the quality. <laughs> It'll get better. We'll be better. We will. So our podcast, we're just gonna kind of the way it's gonna be set up is I'm going to find a story research it and then I'm going to read it to Amy and she knows nothing about it hopefully she might know a little tidbit here and there but um she's gonna kind of react and learn with you guys what's going on and hopefully it'll just be fun and informational for you guys so for our very first episode we are going to do pig man So I chose the story because my dad is from Angola, New York, and my grandma and my grandpa, they still live there in the same house that my dad grew up in. So obviously I've spent a lot of time there and I've been to Holland Road where Pigman takes place a lot of times. Um, A big reason why I decided to start a podcast about urban legends and the paranormal is because my dad and I, we also share a love for things like this. And so my best friend, um, yep, my lovely (laughs) co-host does too. So I mean, Amy goes bananas on Halloween. Her house is like a legit haunted house. Um, she probably charge for people to go see it. One day I'll make a real haunted house. (laughs) And so one of my dad's favorite things to do when I was a kid was to scare me. Um, and he would take me to Holland Road a lot to do that. So if you don't know anything about Angola, it's an unincorporated village um, in the town of Evans on the shore of Lake Erie. So and I mean, it's right there on the shore. The beach is literally like two blocks away from my grandma's house. Um, and if you don't know what unincorporated area means, I didn't either. I had to look <laughs> it up. Yeah, so. I don't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a region not governed by a local municipal corporation. So it has no local government. Nice. Yeah, it, it sounds lovely. <laughs> so I think, don't quote me, I may be wrong, but so I think what that means is that they go based off of Evans' government. Mm, like probably the police and everything <clears throat> get called. Yeah, I think so. So it's 22 miles southwest of downtown Buffalo, New York. Um, So it's right there next to Canada. Um, 
And before it was called Angola, it was called Evans Station. As of 2010, they had a population of 2,127 people. So it's pretty freaking small. Actually smaller than the town we met in. Yeah, that's crazy. I think Sedalia had like, what, 21,000? Around there. Maybe, yeah. So I called my dad and I asked him about the legend of Pigman, uh, the legend that he was told as a kid, which is also the legend I was told, but I wanted to make sure I had all the details right. Um, My grandma and my grandpa would take my dad and his siblings, which by the way, he's got four other siblings. (laughs) So his parents would take him out there. You know, my parents would take me out there and we've actually already taken my son who is eight out there too um and my dad he would toss things out of the window like to hit the car and he'd be like look look out the window and we would (laughs) we would look out our windows and while we weren't looking at him he would toss like pennies or coins and stuff underneath the bridge on our car to scare the shit out of us that is such a him thing yeah he would totally do that (laughs) that's that's a thing in our family (laughs) so we're going to go to the first picture and we'll post all the pictures. Um, there are a few pictures of the main person that I'm going to be talking about. And uh, the family requested that his picture was taken down out, off the website where I got most of this information. So I'm not going to post those photos. It seems like those should be private. If you Google it, you'll find it. It's right there. <laughs> and I can't stop you from Googling it, but... <laughs> I won't post it. So it's very good to be respectful of family's <laughs> wishes, especially in cases like this. Definitely. So what I'm showing Amy right now is the actual tunnel bridge of Pigman Road. Um, it's on Holland Road, which is where this takes place, and it's they the locals there they call it Pigman Road. Um And I would like to preface this by saying that there are many versions of the Pigman legend. I'm going to talk about a few of them, but the main one I'm going to talk about is the one that seems the most historically factual. Uh, There's only one document really that I found that has a cohesive story about this or why this legend may have come to be. So That's what most of this research is based off of. I mean, I found a couple other mentions of it and all of that will be in our sources too. But the the best document that's out there about it is a document written by M.C. Hageman. And if you just type in Pigman, usually it's like one of the first three that pops up on Google. And it's not a website. It's like just a document, like a literal document that you can read. And it is pages long super long um so most of the stuff is definitely from him uh on a fun note hauntedplaces.org rates this place as 88 percent haunted that's exciting so 12 percent of it isn't or 12 percent of people don't think it is 12 (laughs) percent probably don't believe it that's probably yeah. it. I should really go to that website and find somewhere around here to go to. Oh, I bet in Oregon there's plenty of places. Probably. To start this story without going into too much history of Angola itself, you need to know that in the 1800s, the railroad industry came to Angola. And in 1855, Alicia or Elijah, it's spelled 
both ways. I'm going to go with Alicia because that's what I found the most. Um, but Alicia Derricks had a homestead south of Angola in between the new railroad tracks on Holland Road. He worked at a brick factory for the manufacturing of sewer pipes, which supplied Alicia with supplemental income to support his family. They were definitely not well off. He had two sons named Loring and Henry, who in December of 1867 were walking along the train tracks collecting coal that commonly fell from passing trains to take back to their houses to use for their fire. As they were doing this, they decided to remove two railroad ties from the track, which then caused the Angola horror train wreck. Don't know why they thought that was a good idea in the slightest. That sounds like a horrible (laughs) idea. I don't know. They got a like souvenir, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. I really don't. There wasn't anything about it either. It doesn't say if they did it maliciously or because... They were dumb kids. Dumb kids, I guess. (laughs) Um, But they did it. And on December 18th, 1867, the last coach of the New York Express, which was headed to Buffalo, derailed just after passing Angola. As the last car fell down the embankment, it also pulled the car before it with it and both erupted into flames from the stoves inside. Mm -hmm. 49 people were killed and 40 were injured. Holy shit. Yeah, so lots of death. I'm showing Amy a sketch from Frank Leslie's Illustrative Weekly of the Angola Horror Trainwreck scene. Um, You can also find that on Google and we'll post this picture. It's pretty popular for this, but it's pretty devastating. Yeah, it looks pretty sad, especially that lady in front, like next to those two bodies. I know she kind of looks like she's praying. She does. But yeah, and you can see the train in the background just on fire. It's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, The community of Angola rushed to assist the burning commuters. And according to MC Hageman, they were doing this to cover up what the Derrick's children had done. It was believed that the railroad, the country itself, would blame the town of Angola instead of just the Derrick's family. I don't know why, but... They thought that it was going to bring, like, devastation to their town, essentially. Yeah, like I said, I'm not entirely sure why they thought this, but it is the 1800s, and your barber was also your doctor back then, so. (laughs) Um, They managed to convince everyone that the train wreck was caused by a frog, which is not the green croaking kind, and I had to look that up because God knows I know nothing about construction or railroads. But Google says a frog is the raised area of track where it shifts from one gauge to another. So there you go. Hmm. I like maybe because it's hopping tracks, like going from one to another. I didn't even think about that. You're probably right. I definitely pictured a giant frog in front of a train and it like trying to swerve (laughs) to miss it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sue, after the death of Alicia, his son Henry moved more into the town of Angola while Loring kept the family home on Holland Road and he renovated it. But around 1906, a fire broke out destroying several buildings. And then with that, the town again became suspicious of the Derricks family, but mostly of Henry, which actually caused him to leave Angola for good. Then in 1911, Loring was at the center of another tragic event while volunteering for the town's Independence Day fireworks display. 
A child's arm was pierced with a rocket and several others were severely burned. Holy the crap. T- I know. The town was sued for $12,500, which in today's money, because my husband insisted <laughs> that I put hey, this. I like these things. <laughs> he seriously, every single time I've mentioned money from back then, he's like, I want to know how much it costs now. Well, good. Did they break the bank? Uh, It was. that's not that bad I mean it's not millions but it's definitely quite a bit for a tiny town that's a good chunk of change Mm -hmm. uh and then Loring was ostracized so they're just the Derrick's family is just getting ostracized left and right yeah then this probably didn't help very much but (laughs) Loring got married to a young Betsy Crabtree, who was also an outcast due to her parents being first cousins. <laughs> of course. Good times. <laughs> and on April 17th, 1913, at the age of 19, Betsy gave birth to their son, William Derricks. So unfortunately, William was born with frontonasal dysplasia. Frontonasal dysplasia is thought to be caused by the failure of the flow of ectomesenchyme, allowing the brain vesicle to fill space that's normally occupied by the nasal capsule. This, in turn, causes facial abnormalities ranging from mild to severe. It also causes anterior encephaly, uh, encephalocele. Excuse me, I wrote out how to pronounce these giant words, <laughs> which you would think I would know since I work in the medical field, but no, I do not. Um, so the encephalocele, which is a sac-like protrusion or projection of the brain and the membranes that cover it through an opening in the skull. Ooh. Ocular hypertellurism, which is an abnormally increased distance between the eyes. Microopithalmia when both eyeballs themselves are abnormally small, the nose is flattened with widely spaced nostrils, there's cleft lip and intellectual disabilities. Wow. So that's a lot. I know. It's (laughs) kind of sad. So sadly, the people of Angola thought this to be punishment for the Derricks, to the Derricks family for the Angola horror train wreck. That sounds about right. Sounds I definitely fucking horrible. <laughs> anytime someone is born different, I definitely blame their parents' past mistakes. I know. It's fucking horrible. Um, William's friendship with a butcher later on and his deformities are likely part of the reason he received the nickname Pigman. Loring and his family became reclusive most likely to protect William and probably themselves too from harassment from the community. Apparently the midwife who delivered William only referred to as Mrs. McGowan wrote to every doctor and medical institution she could find to try and have William locked away or institutionalized. And she vowed, she vowed to never assist in delivering another child again. Holy crap. (laughs) Sounds like a fucking bitch. Oh yeah. So Five years later, on June 29th, 1918, two B&LE freight cars jumped the tracks. The first car struck the village hall, while the second car plowed into the Newbeck building next to the village hall. 
It went through the front of the building and destroyed two rooms on the second floor, which just happened to be where the now 80-year-old Mrs. McGowan resided. (laughs) 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 Karma is a bitch. Uh, She only suffered from bruises, scratches, and apparently shock. Dan. Loring, which is William's father, had been seen on the tracks the evening before. Mm. And although there was absolutely no evidence that he was involved, uh, because of the history of tragic events that he's been involved in, the village of Angola once again became suspicious of him, and he and his family were ostracized. What's the difference <laughs> between ostracized and exiled? I think ostracized is where a big ostrich just comes <laughs> and screams at you. I mean, I picture <laughs> that, but I don't know. It was- is it more like running out of town? Or? Yeah, I feel like it's more when you walk down the street, people are just screaming at you and telling you how oh. much they hate you. And exile does more like, get the fuck out. We don't yeah. ever want you here ever again. Yep. Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. Go on. You want, you want to hear something super funny? Yeah. Not really funny, but just really interesting. <laughs> so in 1919, a disaster was averted when a one-armed man named Theodore Miller who at the time was a gate man for the New York Central Railroad crossing, but previously had garnered fame as a one-armed boxer, dashed in front of a speeding train and dragged none other than William Derricks out of the path of the train and saved, and saved his life. Wow. What is up with this family and trains? I don't know. They need to stay the fuck away from the train yeah, tracks. Do. <laughs> I don't even know why he was there, but he needs to stay away from it um miller was awarded the carnegie hero medal and one thousand dollars which in today's money so i use the year 1936 as an average it would be around nineteen thousand six hundred and forty dollars and fifty cents that's not too bad yeah could be better though for saving someone's life you know i mean honestly if i wasn't expecting to do that on any given day i'll take twenty thousand dollars that would take that pay off my car. <laughs> just, just give me like a good meal or something. That'd be great. <laughs> I know some steak. Okay, so here's another photo of William. Sometime between 1933 and 1938, when William was in his early to mid 20s, Theodore Miller, the one-armed boxer gate man, introduced him to a show promoter for oddity of the world shows. William was more than happy to take the pay and travel the U.S. for four months. He also most likely felt less of an outcast with the other members of the traveling show. He toured the southern United States with P.T. Barnum and Ripley, but the unsanitary conditions he was encountering and just the stress of traveling weighed on him, and eventually he returned to his family house on Holland Road. By the time William had returned home, the Ed Ball Sanitarium had opened, which included a landfill and garbage transfer across the street from William's property. So William got a job as a night watchman for the facility. He was to check for trespassers and people illegally dumping things. It seemed he basically worked overnights and his shifts ended at 6 a.m. And this is where the legend kind of really starts. As MC Hageman mentions in his amazing presentation, 
this is where the dates and facts become a little less clear. So sometime between 1947 and 1948, William, at the age of either 34 or 35, meets and marries Mildred Crabtree. And if that last name sounds familiar to you, <laughs> it is because it's the last name of William's mother, Betsy, before she married Loring. So William also married his cousin. That's awesome. Just making that family even better. <clears throat> oh, yes. So William spends his time into the 1950s, rotating between traveling shows and working his security position at the Ed Ball Sanitarium. And during this time, Angola is thriving. William and Mildred were essentially hoarders. They collected a lot of strange things and strange animals that William would bring home from his traveling shows for P.T. Barnum and Ripley. His job at the sanitarium did not help him with this issue. It said that he would aggressively, and I mean, I quoted aggressively, make sure he was the first person to have access to anything new coming into the dump. He would often search through the dump, and when he found things, he would take it home, and then he would bury it around his property. <laughs> what the heck? I mean, it, it's one thing to go through trash and be like, oh, someone shouldn't have thrown this out. This is really nice. That can happen sometimes, but why the hell would you take it and bury it? I know. I, I mean, if you're taking something to use it, cool. Yeah. Maybe he needed that extra use. layer of dirt to really get it good. <laughs> no, I have no idea. That makes no sense to me. I mean, maybe it's like you're saving it for later. Like those people that bury money in jars? Something. Um. Oh, and it's said that you can still find hidden things around the property. Although the house is, itself is nothing more than a broken foundation and original fireplace. To keep people off his property and to protect his odd collection of things, he did something rather interesting. He would put pig's heads on spikes in his front yard. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that that is also where the nickname pig man came from. That is super disturbing. And some people say it wasn't just pig heads, but also cows, goats, and sheep as well. That's just wrong. I take it he got these from his butcher friend. I'm assuming. I, I have hope no so, idea. at least, because I, I would be really annoyed if he bought an animal and just cut its head off. I know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the thinking was. I mean, I know he wanted to scare people, but pretty sure there are better ways than that. Scarecrows, for one. You know, you don't <laughs> have to cut anything's head off. <laughs> yeah, get some paper mache and some resin. Yeah. Make yourself a real good scarecrow uh in 1962 william and mildred had a baby and it was a boy and they named it william jr it was also reported that they had two twin girls later on but birth certificates have never been found to substantiate it four years after the birth of william jr mildred passed away on november 22nd 1966 it's said that she was buried on the property in an unmarked grave despite that being illegal at the time. Did, has anyone found her body? It didn't say. It says three fragments were found that seemed to have the word Eli engraved on them, what, which might be short for Alicia, Loring's father. Hmm. But no mention of a body, no mention of anything. 
So when people go out there to dig up trash for fun, they should <laughs> be very careful about digging up bodies. Yep. They think there's more than one. So oh, probably. Yeah. Um, so it was said after Mildred's death that the twin girls. Okay. So just let's break this down for a second. It says that the twin girls were sent to live with relatives of Mildred. So the Crabtree side. But because the Crabtrees are his cousins, <laughs> would that not also be his side, like his family too? Maybe it is like her mother's relatives because her mother wasn't a crab tree so maybe that side i don't know that's when you get into like your brother's <laughs> sister's cousins you know it's yes just, that's just kind of weird but i would assume it would be both of their relatives but i mean pretty sure pretty yeah. sure yeah. And then I don't know why they were sent there, but William Jr. was sent to live with a man named Father Baker. And there's no reason why. Nobody knows why. Hmm. And then after this, William Derrick Sr. became more of a recluse. So I don't know if he just wasn't intellectually capable of raising the kids by himself without Mildred, but possibly got sent away. Or maybe he got all depressed and just got mopey and the kids couldn't, you know, be taken care of that way. True. Maybe he just couldn't live. Or maybe the the physically physical part, he couldn't take care of them. Might be. In the 1960s and early 1970s is when Holland Road really became known as Pigman Road. And the legend of Pigman really started getting out there. By this time, the Ed Ball Sanitarium had closed. And quoting M.C. Hageman again, potholes and erosion of the road surface, as well as deterioration of the railroad bridges, still blind one-way bridges, made the road nearly impassable. Few ventured the road other than those at the very entrance of Route 5, or Hard Pan Road. In the early 1970s, only two residences existed one to the west of the single lane tunnel bridge, Route 5 direction, and the Derrick's home between the bridges east of the tunnel bridge, end quote. So there was practically no one living out there, but local teens and drunken patrons of the local bars would use the spot as kind of a lover's lane deal. So stories started going around that a monster, quote unquote, or pig man <laughs> would walk up to unsuspecting teens' cars while they were parked out there doing what horny teens do and would bang on the car hoods or windows. There were no reports of anyone being hurt, but the police apparently automatically suspected William. And they asked him, yeah, of course they did. (laughs) They asked him, I mean, it's really messed up, but they would just like be like, oh, monster. All right. The guy with the deformities. I agree. But then you think about pigs on stakes and you're yeah. like, <laughs> and then that does, you know, scream kind of like I might be a little crazy. Yes. So 
at first when I was reading this and typing it out I was like oh man that's fucked up why would they accuse him right off the bat and then I'm like oh yeah he had animal heads on stakes yeah yeah he has shown some tendencies to be weird but on another note how fun would it be to go fuck with the teenagers and like bang on the hoods of their cars and shit I mean, if you don't want making out teenagers on your property, then <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, really I would. Fun. <laughs> so, like I said, they automatically suspected him. And so the police went and talked to him and they asked him that if he wanted people to stay off of his property to please contact the police instead of confronting them himself. They always say that. I know. They don't want you to get in trouble. So... Things escalated quickly in 1972 when Jacob Nesbitt and Melissa Mallory, two teens that pulled over on Holland Road because, and I just want to say this, this is what they were quoted saying, (laughs) and it's probably a lie. So (laughs) I, I just, I find it hysterical because they said they were lost in reading a map. Mm, when i think they were more (laughs) making out (laughs) so um but anyways i just imagine mc hageman when he's writing this like putting this in like heavy air quotes and like wiggling his eyebrows they were lost in reading they were they were lost Uh uh-huh they -hmm. were looking at a map in the middle of the night (laughs) on a road that no one ever goes on yes Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. So, but so they were lost out there. They were reading their map when suddenly (laughs) smoke and fire surrounded the vehicle. Um, He has a direct quote from one of the teens that I like desperately tried to find anywhere else and I couldn't. So this is quoted from him. But it says, we pulled out of the fire and swung the car around heading back towards the lake. When we reached the bridge, we could not pass. It was blocked by a black Ford pickup, an older model, 65 maybe. It had chrome exhaust stacks on both sides of the cab. No license plate and a homemade wooded flatbed. The engine was revving, the headlights glared, and vibrated as though loose. Flames shot from the exhaust stacks intermittently. We turned the car around and headed in the opposite direction as fast as we could. The truck followed until we passed, it says we passes, but I think they meant we passed the second bridge, which we went through without thought of any other vehicle following. When we reached the other side, the truck did not follow. We reached a crossing, turned left, and sped as fast as we could and ended up here in the village. Okay, so first off, that truck sounds like it belongs in a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like... What it sounds like to me is a possessed truck in a cartoon. You're right. Yeah, like shooting flames out and all chromey and stuff. Yep, and with an angry face on the grill. Yeah. like The lights are its eyes. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. So when the police went to go check out the scene, the only thing they could find was remnants of a day's old campfire. So essentially nothing. The teens could have been making it up, but I feel it's pretty hard to imagine their car being swallowed in flames unless they were on some serious drugs which or was never mentioned anywhere they but just you know. wanted attention oh yeah they could have wanted attention I've and i mean some it's crazy 70s. stories 
drugs were kind of the thing in the 70s. They were. I mean, they still are, but it was very popular. Then. Very popular. Very new, you know, all the LSD and acid and all that fun stuff coming out. Yes, I'm just saying it wasn't mentioned anywhere that they were on drugs, but I <laughs> strongly they were think it on made. acid. Their <laughs> tail lights were really bright and their <laughs> exhaust looked like smoke. So it looked like a big fire around them. Yes. Yep. We, we did it. We cracked the case. Yep. So uh, they went to talk to William again, and the house was dark. And their knocks at the door went unanswered. So they pretty much just wrote it up. I mean, they pretty much just wrote it off. (laughs) They wrote it up. They wrote it off. And they chalked it up to teens being teens. And they didn't do anything else about it. Uh, In the same year, a tall, skinny, middle-aged man by the name of Harris Tompkins, who was going house to house asking residents to do surveys for a utility company, went missing. The last place he had been seen was at the house along Route 5. No one knows if he went to William's house or not, but somehow the investigation was led in that direction, and the police found several people and animals living in filth inside of the home. It was filled with junk, newspapers, feces, and like I said, lots of animals. Mm, That's sad. Yeah. During the search, an 11-year-old boy was found in the house, and it's widely believed to be William Jr., Although there's no way to substantiate that. William Sr. was not found. I tried to find anything on Harris Tompkins and I couldn't find anything like at all. So just take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. Hageman's account seems to be the most detailed thing I can find on this subject. And I'm not trying to discredit him in any way, but I couldn't find not even Anything. like a missing persons report on this uh, person. So I mean, he could just have a very active imagination also. That, and he could probably just be better at using Google than me. He could be, yeah. <laughs> I tried really hard, but <laughs> I couldn't find anything. He also might like live close by to where he I'm could sure. get more accurate information, like hard copies of things. So next knows? time I go there... I should see if I could find anything and maybe update anything. I mean, there's always City Hall. They supposedly have records of stuff all the time. I don't know for a fact, but that's what they say. Oh, heck yeah. I bet my grandma would be so down to go with me. (laughs) Um, So on October 31st, spook, spook, 1973, a fire broke out at the Derrick's home. By the time the firefighters arrived, The house is already ablaze and too far gone to save. The cause of the fire was never determined and no bodies were ever recovered from the house. So nobody knows where anybody went. Exactly five years from the Derrick's fire, on the same day, October 31st, 1978, the only other house near William Derrick's house went up in flames. The owner was on vacation and came home to his house burned to the ground. Was it Pigman? Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm raising my eyebrows. <laughs> it most <laughs> certainly was. He's trying to get everybody off of that road. Yes. He's like, this is my road. Go home. And he apparently really likes fire. Loves it. 
Okay, so that's kind of where the history ends. I couldn't find anything about William Derrick Sr. or Williams Derrick Jr. or anyone else. Um, so now I'm going to kind of get into the experiences that people have. So number one, they see Pigman. What a shock. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, number two, they see lights in the woods near and around the tunnel. They hear screams. They see fires in the woods or on the roads that extinguish themselves and disappear. They see shadow figures and they see a vehicle that follows you and then suddenly disappears. Okay. So first of all, the lights could be his demon truck from the cartoon. That's what I was going to say. The <laughs> truck that the car that's following you on that road mm-hmm. is the cartoon demon truck. Yeah, someone needs to get a picture of it because I want to see the cartoon demon truck. For real, I Um, feel like I've seen it a million times in my childhood. (laughs) Then there's uh, the fires that go out on their own. Um, Does anyone ever go look to see if there's like scorched earth? That's what I'm saying. And what if there's homeless people? Like not to debunk all of this, but (laughs) let's use our sense of deduction. Yeah, I mean... There's alternatives for some of these, but uh, I mean, I can't explain them seeing Pigman. No, or screams. I mean, well, I guess unless someone's I mean, being if murdered. teenagers are still going out there, they might be just really, really heavy in their kinks. That's <laughs> true, <laughs> true. And we never want to kink shame anyone. No. So this, I called my dad to talk to him about this. Because I wanted to hear what he had to say. So as he was talking to me, I should have recorded it, but instead I typed it out. And so this is a direct quote from the legend himself. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, dad. I know you're listening. (laughs) So on Holland Road, there was a house and it burned down. And when the house was burning down, there was a man. He escaped the house, but his family was inside. And he went back in the house to rescue his wife. When the firefighters arrived, they saw a man run into the fire and then they never found him. His wife and family died in the fire. And then the legend goes on from there that he didn't die, but he would take pig skins from pigs he killed and put it over his head. So kind of like a mask. Um, And then there were sightings of a man wearing a pig's head. And it's very specific where his house was by the one lane tunnels. And he would come out and throw rocks at the cars to keep people from going near his house. And that's pretty much it. End quote of my father. And so that explains why my dad would throw pennies and shit out the car. (laughs) Uh, I like your dad's explanation much better about the fire. Like if they died in the fire then that would explain why all the people that are digging up his trash hasn't found any bodies because they would have died in the fire not before and been buried so it definitely does make more sense and I mean that was the legend I was also told as a kid I had no idea like I guess I mean I was a kid I didn't think about it but I had no idea to even check or think that that it's a real person I thought he was just a monster he was born a monster (laughs) always been a monster but um yeah so that's what my dad has to say on it and my dad also said you're gonna hear my chair squeaking so much throughout this I'm gonna have to use a different chair next time and you can leave that in okay um 
but uh so my dad's friend danny i won't use his last name because i don't know they don't talk anymore so i don't know if he's cool with it but just so everyone knows my dad's friends do have the coolest last names they're all like italian last names so (laughs) (laughs) my godfather's name if I could tell you it without him <laughs> potentially getting mad is pretty fucking cool. Uh, so anyways, uh, my dad would go to his friend Danny's house on his 10 speed bike and he would have to ride past the entrance to Holland road and it would scare the shit out of him. So he said he would get chills and he was always terrified when he had to cross it. Cause you'd have to drag his bike like over the train tracks and he would want to get us like across it as fast as he could. So when he was older, like a teen, um, he used to party with his friends on the tresses near Holland Road. So basically, Ooh. he was one of those on the little lover's lane, like what a rebel. <laughs> what a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said before, after reading MC Hageman's detailed story of Pigman, um, I went to where all great detectives go and I went to YouTube and I watched several paranormal investigations and a few information videos about Pigman to see what other versions of the legend there are and if anyone's actually had any paranormal encounters. So I watched a video from an investigation group called, are you ready for this? Totally. The Grim Tweakers. <laughs> nice are they from missouri (laughs) you know i can't say that that didn't cross my mind (laughs) and their version of the legend says that he was an angry butcher who would spike pig heads which is consistent Mm -hmm. in the yard and i guess some teens went out to holland road and they ran into pigman pigman catches them he cuts off their heads and then puts them on stakes that Second story, extra, <laughs> super extra. Now I got a picture of Big Man in heels. <laughs> <laughs> snap, snap. So, um, the second story that they had heard was that a newlywed couple drove to Pigman Road and their car broke down under the bridge. So the husband go, he gets out of the car to see what's going on, and then he decides to go down the road to find help. And so he just leaves his wife in the car because why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> the wife then falls asleep in the car, which yeah. hell fucking no if you've seen the picture of that bridge. <laughs> and I've been there. It's pitch black. No, thank you. And maybe it's because my dad was throwing shit at the car and scaring us, but scared. Scared, but didn't scared. you know nothing can hurt you when you're inside of a car? Nothing. Uh, you're totally safe. <laughs> completely you just gotta <laughs> lock them the, the car doors right so when she woke up she found her husband on top of the car with all of his limbs torn off <laughs> damn <laughs> brutal mm-hmm. so Pigman jumps on top of the car <laughs> and he's wearing a pig's head the investigator then goes on to say that when you get to the tunnel, you're supposed to stop your car, turn it off, honk the horn three times, and then supposedly the car supposedly, not supposedly, supposedly, <laughs> the car doesn't turn on again. 
<laughs> sounds like some kind of voodoo it um does. it's like the bloody mary thing but yeah for breaking your car apparently yep <laughs> yeah, exactly why would you want to do that? i don't know your car's <laughs> not gonna work why would you want to do that i think i'm done with this car i'm just gonna go honk three times and let it die <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna walk my ass home um, <laughs> so he said he attempted this several times and nothing happened. Oh, big shot. <laughs> so during the investigation, he did seem to catch an EVP, which stands for electronic voice phenomenon. That seems to say I was there. Okay. And I mean, it's pretty clear. Cool. So that was in response to him asking if there were any passengers from the train wreck oh snazzy that's a good little idea yeah and so there's links too for all of this in our show notes you can watch this video if you want so i hate to say it but the grim tweakers did seem like they were the most legit out of everybody (laughs) that i watched so good on you guys Uh, another paranormal investigation by another group and i couldn't figure out what the name was but it was posted by user Matthew Williams underscore media. They say that the legend they heard was in the 1960s and 1970s, which is also consistent. There was a deranged butcher who cut, <laughs> off, <laughs> who cut off pig's heads and staked them in his yard. Also consistent. Mm-hmm. And one day he shot a man and hung him up on a metal hook or sorry, <laughs> a meat hook. Nice. I can't read my own notes. Um, <laughs> in the comments to the video, there was one commenter that said they had reportedly been scratched by something while in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. The yeah, the investigators claimed to have seen mist and orbs, but personally, to me, it looked a little fake. <laughs> but their video will also be linked uh, in our show notes, so you can decide that for yourself. Um, and also another thing, lesson from Ghost Hunters. Orbs don't mean something's haunted. It just means that there is a concentration of energy. That's it. So or to a me, dust particle in front of your lens. Or bugs. Or bugs. There's an episode <laughs> of Ghost Hunters I was watching, and it's like from their first season, and they kept Stephen um, Brian kept bringing evidence to them that was orbs, and it's just like <laughs> a montage of Grant being like bug. <laughs> bug reflection Aww. dust bug Hi, steve <laughs> i know love steve mm-hmm. um so by the way there's also an episode where steve is like hitting on this other girl investigator and i don't remember it at all mm. but i was very jealous i just always remember he was underground somewhere in a basement thing and the ceiling was really low and he just freaked the fuck out because there yep. were a shit ton of spiders and the, <laughs> that's just the image that's stuck in my head of any time they're brought up i know it's crazy mm-hmm. a police officer by the way he's a, he was i don't know if he still is but he was a police officer afraid of spiders not afraid <laughs> to go run down the street and tackle this guy that apparently stole their bags one time so this <laughs> is not so a ghost it. hunters recap <laughs> podcast but True. i freaking love them that might be a future podcast. That'd be fun. That would be so awesome. I could seriously <laughs> go over every single episode. Never gets old to me. So 
I then found a video of a woman putting her makeup on and telling the story of Pigman, not Bailey Sarian. <laughs> this woman's name is Teresa. So she had heard that three teens had trespassed on Pigman's property, and to teach them a lesson, he cut their heads off one by one while the others watched and then staked their heads in front of his house to warn off others from doing the same. So it's like escalating. Yeah. It's like just pig heads uh, and then like a regular head and then a guy on a hook and now teenager Torture. heads. Yeah. Yeah. So something that's something similar to what the first investigator said. But the most interesting thing I found was a comment on this video. And it was it was posted by our little farm back to nature. Hmm. And they say this, which to me, this is really the most interesting thing because I've never heard this. And I mean, I grew up with this legend. So she says, I'm from Angola and I just want to clear something up. A lot of people get this confused and I can see why. Just so you know, and others know, who are interested in the area in these tragedies the train accident and pigman road are not the same area of town same town opposite sides of town pigman road does have two train tracks with bridges and a creek but this isn't where the train horror happened if you go to the opposite side of town you will find the angola horror train accident bridge it is right over the large embankment and the bridge is much bigger and older. You can't get close to the bridge, but you can see it in the distance from the road. You will know you are in the area because there is a playground with a train. And the plaque that you showed, which I also showed Amy, um, is there, not on Pigman Road. The story about the couple isn't true at all. My husband's parents, who both grew up in the area, born in the 1930s, told us about him he was a butcher put pig's heads on steaks by the way she spelled steaks like steak meat drool mm, yummy uh there is a garbage dump between the bridges and he did indeed kill not boys but his family after he killed them he hung their bodies on one of the train bridges i'm guessing the one that has the curve to it which is the one on holland road uh, because I always get a creepy feeling that one, that one, the one you showed in the intro with the Holland Road street sign, uh, when a car went by, they saw the bodies hanging there. There, This was sometime in the 50s or 60s. Hmm. Also couldn't find anything about that. And that is just completely different than totally. any story I've heard. There's no fire, so. no Mm-mm. nothing. So. No, but yeah, I found that one like to be the most interesting because I was like, what? He killed his family. I've never heard that. The last thing I would like to say is that it seems to me because William had frontonasal dysplasia and because he was a little strange, well, a lot of strange, (laughs) that people were scared of him. There was no concrete evidence that connected him to anything horrifying I mean, cutting animals' heads off and marrying your cousin definitely is horrifying, but Incest not in the is a no-no. <laughs> but not in the "I'm gonna kill you" kind of way. Um, so it seems that because he was 
differently abled that he was most likely bullied and pushed to reclusion because he was different which really makes me sad because I really have a low tolerance for bullying of any kind especially for things that people can't control um it just really upsets me and makes me sad me too bullying is the off worst thing ever yeah 100 percent agree so i can justify things a little bit if he was a butcher then the animal heads weren't like just random like he just felt like killing a pig and putting its head on a stick it would be like leftover and yeah if his friend was a butcher yeah and he was you know trying to scare people away so i mean if he got them cruelty free i mean <laughs> depending on your views of eating meat <laughs> <laughs> yeah as long as you know it wasn't just oh i'm gonna chop its head off and stick it on a stick i think you know that's okay we can get past that the incest maybe I his think cousin it just was learned, <laughs> maybe learned that too but maybe his cousin is like the only person that would ever talk to him and talk to him kindly. And so, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that just sparked something and that happened. I mean, it's still not my thing at all. And I don't yeah, we think Legends right podcast at all. Do not, do not justify <laughs> whatsoever. It is just, uh, I don't, I don't believe in that. But maybe his cousin was nice. I don't know. But it does sound like there's a lot of different stories out there on Mm -hmm. what exactly happened. And I could definitely see there being paranormal activity, like because of the train wreck. That was a lot of people that were hurt and died because of it. And that is actually documented. Yeah. So, and it was, I mean, supposedly when something very large and traumatic like that happens, like, it creates more energy and uh, even if it's just residual, you can usually get something from that. Mm-hmm. But if the people that got the EVP were over on Holland Road. Right. That's what I'm saying. Versus over where the train accident actually was. Maybe it was a little fudgy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they wander around Angola. The ghosts are like, <laughs> I'm bored. This town's tiny. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's possible. No one really knows what happens, but usually, like, the energy stays in, stays in, the, place. in the area. Yeah. I mean, like, you're not going to go to New York and find a ghost wandering around that was on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> Just We'd a be really nice dressed guy with a, a top <laughs> hat and just wandering around like I went down with the ship. Yeah. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be hilarious. Okay, so that was the story of Pigman or the urban legend of Pigman. What are your guys' thoughts? Do you think that one of the legends is true? Or do you think that he was just differently abled and people are dicks? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let us know what you think. 
are you from Angola? Do you know a different version that you were told growing up? Let us know. You can reach us at This Is Legend Pod on Facebook and Instagram. Visit our website at thisislegendpod.com and drop us a line at thisislegendpod at gmail.com. Okay, guys, keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye. Peace out.